Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today, I've got Brooke Richard back on the show with Higdon Outdoors. Brooke, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me, Chris. Always a pleasure. I want to bring you on, you know, talk all things Higdon once again, but really, you know, I feel like it's a it's a great opportunity to talk about some more timely things that, that are we're all facing this season in the 2020-2021 season, but, you know, really kind of just pick your brain to see really how your duck season's been. You know, I know you guys are traveling around quite a bit with the Higdon Outdoors TV show, um, but man, how has your 2020-2021 season been so far? It's been great. You know, we get to pick our battles. We're blessed to be able to not hunt so much, but when we do hunt, we get to hunt some great places and we pick our battles well because it it has to count because we're doing this for a TV show. And it's been decent, Chris. Honestly, it's been tough. We haven't had a ton of weather, whether we're, you know, out in Washington State filming out there or, or hunting around here trying to film or up in, you know, northwest Missouri it's been tough and and I contribute that to really just the lack of of migration weather. I mean, it just hasn't been, you know, super super cold, hasn't been super wet. We haven't had a lot of precipitation, so it's been stuff it's been tough, but we're making it happen. It's just it's just not given to you. You got to work for it and and we're grinding and it's happening, but you know, overall, I think there's better days to come here. We've got 30 days left, so um hopefully the worst is behind us. Things are starting to look up, but it's been a grind. I think that's the best word to describe it. It's It's been tough and it's been a grind. Yeah, I think that's kind of word on the street. You know, we do the uh, migration alerts all across the country and um, kind of the the overall feel and, and, and kind of just discussion from, from duck hunters throughout the country has very much been that. It's been a grind. Lack of weather, um, you know, lack of, of any sort of migration, you know, out of those even, even north, mid-latitude states, I should say, um, and, and ducks are just kind of holding up and in no pattern whatsoever. But so, you know, for the TV show, it makes it difficult. Like you said, you know, you have to make your, you got to pick your battles, make them count. Are there anything that you guys are doing, you know, especially for the TV show, this may be kind of eye opening for, for some of our audience to hear, um, you know, how you guys are using the products within the TV show, but some of the things that you're doing different to face these difficult conditions and, and really deal with, with what you're dealt no matter what the, you know, no matter what the conditions are. So is there anything different that you guys, that I feel like you guys may be doing on the duck side of things um, that you wouldn't do normally? Sure. I, th- I think a big one is, and I'll preface this statement with, I'm blessed to be able to work for a company that is highly vested in making good duck hunts great through products. We make products that make you more successful, whether that's hiding or making you more visible to ducks or more realistic to ducks. So when times get tough, the products that we focus on and that we're known for are going to help you. And so if the hunting's marginal, it may make it, you know, medium. So it's great. You know, the products that we use, whether it's a, a great season or a bad season or a good day or a bad day, um, those products that we use um, put our best foot forward and give us, you know, advantages whenever we're hunting to harvest more birds and have more successful hunts if you're judging it off of bird numbers. But yeah, I mean, in a great year, um, you get a lot of weather and you get, a lot of duck migration and there's there's plenty of ducks around but when things are great and the ducks are what i would call vulnerable they have to move between sunrise and sunset because they have to eat or they have to fly or they need water uh you know that's not necessarily what this year is but when it is that way 
you can use some of our products to finish birds better or, you know, run traffic efficiently on birds. And years like this year where it's kind of tough, even if there's birds around, they're not vulnerable. So they're, they may be nocturnal. They're feeding at night because there's plenty of food around or there's plenty of water on the river or uh, they just don't need anything. And, and as hunters, you pick those days where birds are vulnerable, whether it's weather or water or food. And that's what makes it easy to harvest them or easier to harvest them. That's not what this year's about. Uh, we've got enough birds around to deal with, but they're flying very early and they're flying very late. So how do you efficiently hunt these birds from sunup to sunset, especially with a camera when you're when you're filming and you have to film when it's not the first 10 minutes of shooting time and the sun has to come up so you get them on camera so everybody can see the products work and, and see good episodes of TV. But uh, when those birds are flying in a normal year, when there's a lot of birds and they're vulnerable, so they, they are more susceptible to calling and decoying and finishing, you can run a lot of decoys and make and, and the aspect of ducks, of course, you can run a lot of decoys and really make those birds finish exactly where you want them to finish. Or you can get birds to go where they otherwise wouldn't because you're creating an X. That's a normal year. This year and years similar to this year, you've got to scout. you got to find the birds. When you find the birds, we have found that being more realistic is going to finish more birds. So we'll get right where the ducks want to be, right where we've seen them at the time we've seen them and days leading up to it. And then we'll go out with a smaller decoy spread. So, you know, two to three dozen instead of 20 dozen, super realistic, you know, power packs work great. The, the battleship power packs, all Drake mallards, all black ducks. Um, and that's not because we're chasing black ducks. It's because they're visible, but we're using less of them to look more realistic. Like, you know, a pot of ducks has just landed and they're going to swim into the woods. We don't need a whole bunch of decoys because everyone, quite frankly, is throwing everything but the kitchen sink at these birds right now because they're desperate and we don't blame them. Uh, but that's what everybody else looks like. So we've, we've found that we can take a, a handful of, of static decoys um, and get where the birds want to be and just not mess it up. Like my math teacher in third grade told me, you know, the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid. That uh, works very well with, with the weary mallard duck when they're stale or, or you know, they haven't, haven't necessarily been pushed to being vulnerable. So small number of static ducks that are super realistic, like the battleship power packs, and then mixing in water motion. Uh, we are firm believers in water motion. We're running two to four dozen static decoys. We'll run, you know, six to eight pulsators and crazy kickers just because our whole spread comes to life or where the birds want to be. And then all we've got to do is hide and not be seen. And, and we use Momarsh products to do that. And it works. If you can keep it simple, stupid, use the kiss method, be where the birds want to be um, and just not mess it up. It works out when there's when going gets tough. Uh, that's really where we put our emphasis is look like what you see, uh, match the scout. If you see 100 ducks using one little one little pocket and, and a hole in timber, you know, don't go put out 10,000 decoys because there may, you know, they may be <laughs> susceptible to figuring out what's going on. So just sneak in, hide really well, be super realistic. And, and that that goes with calling as well. If you pair calling with that, you know, call sparingly, uh, keep it simple, call when you have to get their attention call to finish them, work them on the corners. A lot can go wrong whenever these birds aren't vulnerable. So they're not vulnerable right now. And uh, if you if you just try to match what you see when you're watching these birds and scouting, uh, you have a whole lot better chance to not only harvesting them, but finishing them the right way, especially for the camera and uh, not being seen and not blowing your cover.
one thing I, I I personally have an issue with is is really keeping it as simple as possible. Typically, when I get start getting frustrated, you know, my solution is more and more and more and more and more decoys until I end up with um, every decoy I own thrown out somewhere, and then I then I finally realize that it's it's wasting my own time there. Um, but you know, and what kind of scenarios? Of I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Shoot. Um, what kind of scenarios have you guys run into, whether it's either out west or, or wherever you guys have traveled around, um, where you've had, where you've been like, oh man, this is this is the spot where I'm going to implement these full body ducks? Because I think people sometimes struggle with trying to figure out what's the best scenario. You know, do you use them every day? Do you, you know, some people do, some people don't. But really trying to implement the full body ducks and mix them in, even with some floaters on occasion. Can you kind of describe a scenario there? Yeah. So I mean, a great scenario. We were we were recently up in, in Washington State. Um, last week hunting and um, we use a lot of full body ducks to actually help conceal where we were hiding we were we were hunting in a new momarsh product that i can't talk about yet but it's a different style of line that no one's ever seen before and it, it'll hide multiple people and it's really cool uh, but we were right where the birds wanted to be and we didn't have a whole lot of cover so we used a multitude of full body ducks uh, paired with some full body geese as well to actually hide where we were you know, we're hunting. That's a great way to, to utilize full bodies is uh, whether you're in, no matter what style of blind you're hunting in, if you're out in the open, you can use those full bodies to conceal yourself, especially cameramen. You put a bunch of full bodies around a cameraman, uh, the birds see it. And if the full bodies look good, they're not thinking that that, that goes oogie boogie in the dark. They're thinking that's okay. They may not want to land there, but they look right over it. Uh, that's one example. Another great example is really any shallow water shore placement so whether you're hunting in marsh in south louisiana or you're hunting uh the timber where the water's shallow enough to run full bodies anytime a duck can it's gonna even though their feet are webbed it's gonna hang out in about you know four to six inches of water they call them puddle ducks for a reason i'm not a du biologist but i've seen a whole lot of ducks especially mallards hanging out in uh what would be mid shin deep water to ankle deep waters because it's easy for them to eat and it looks realistic whether it's on a log or it's on the shallow shore placement it's a bigger profile for a bird flying overhead to see. It casts a nice shadow, so it looks super realistic, and they move great, Chris. You know, they they just, in very little wind, they move around. It's it's a great way to add motion to your spread, and it's a great way to add, you know, just vis, you know, a visual aspect, a three-dimensional visual aspect to your spread that a lot of uh, floater ducks don't offer just because of the profile of the, of the decoy. It's a bigger decoy. Uh, the more the bird is exposed, so it looks realistic. It's a great confidence method, and also it'll it'll add some some super realism to your spread because those full bodies move great in the wind. You know, even with the TV show, you know, we talk about it with the magazine where, you know, we have all these tactics articles and, and we're able to bring people on the podcast to kind of talk through some of these tactics. And really, you know, you're limited in the, the amount of information you can put either in a printed magazine or even the TV show for that matter, you know, when you guys are producing that. So it's cool to talk about, you know, some of these spreads that, that you guys are doing that people may see, you know, in the coming season. Um, that they'll be able to kind of relate to and, and, and see how you guys are using these products and, and how people can change the way they do things. Uh, most importantly, you know, we talked about it before this show, just kind of throw out some ideas as as far as how, how you're using, you know, not just, hey, let's not just talk about the decoys. Let's talk about ways that you're using them. And, and kind of along that same line, goose hunting. What are you guys doing differently as far, even 2020, the full full season, what have you seen that you guys have changed and done differently as far as goose hunting? 
You know, it, it's funny you asked that after we just got finished talking about the duck aspect of things, and, and my response was use less decoys. When the going gets tough, geese are a whole lot less susceptible to, you know, cold weather or lack thereof. They're going to do whatever they want to do, whether that's big Canada geese or, or that's specks or snows. My answer to the duck question is the exact opposite for the goose the goose side of this question. And and I, I like chasing specks. Everybody knows that. We filmed uh, with, you know, Charles Petty, a good friend of mine up in northeast Arkansas this year, early speck season. And, and a blind that I grew up hunting and love. I've hunted it hundreds of times. And normally I can get away with using very little amount of decoys because it's super realistic and I don't have to put any any further than what I'm wanting to shoot. And with filming a TV show, you our goal here as a decoy company with a, a television program is show that the decoys work, shoot the birds over the decoys, back flapping over them. And, and specs are susceptible to that with very small decoy spreads with, with realistic calling. But whenever you don't have anything that they have to have and you're not hunting their ex, um, not using a little amount of decoys works great. Using more decoys than I normally would be comfortable with, throwing in some snow goose decoys with my spec spread for confidence and, and high visual, you know, high visual aspect. More decoys is how we've been able to effectively harvest more geese is throwing a big spread at them. It's the exact opposite of my answer for, for the duck side of things. It's big numbers of goose decoys. You know, at the same time, the the second part of this question or my answer was how weary geese can be just in general, especially when there's not weather pushing them or forcing them to do anything. Um, a lot of goose decoys that look great can uh, can sometimes convince the weary goose to give it up because it thinks that you are the ex. So lots of goose decoys have been our saving grace. Luckily, I work for a decoy company and, and I've got a, I've got a few at my disposal. So um, that has been the. The factor that has been able to give us an advantage over these birds is being able to utilize more decoys. And I don't mean, you know, 200 dozen. I mean, if we would go put out six dozen, um, we're, we're bumping that up to, you know, 10, 15 dozen if we have to. So nothing crazy by any means. We're not running thousands of decoys, but doubling the size of our normal goose spread, whether that's full bodies or floaters, has given us an advantage and allow us, you know, it's allowed us to harvest more geese, no, you know, no matter where that's Pacific Northwest or, or that's, you know, here close to home. So that's been, that's been the, the one thing that's been going for us is use more goose decoys when birds, birds get, uh, you know, whether they're call shy or decoy shy, or they're just lazy and, and aren't forced to do anything. In my opinion, more goose decoys will help you out. After the early season in Arkansas, you know, I've, I've really struggled with some of the, the specs and, and it's really kind of our go-to, um, at my place in Arkansas that, that we can, we can go out and we can shoot specs pretty consistently. Um, and we're, we're proud of that. You know, we kind of wear that like a badge, really. And this season, it's been much more difficult. You know, like you said, they haven't had a whole lot of things to do. Uh, we've gone to smaller spreads, to larger spreads, to motion in the spreads, to trying just about anything. But, you know, it, it's it's interesting to hear you say that you guys have had those issues um, with geese. And a lot of it, you know, like we said at the beginning, nothing to really force these geese into to needing to, to move out of, you know, out of pure you know, life cycle necessity. So, you know, not that I'm happy to hear you're having problems here, but I'm just happy right. to hear that you faced some of the same problems that I have. Let's say that. Chris, I've got to tell you, I've hunted out in Northeast Arkansas a ton with a focus on specs. In the last two years, there's more specs than ever. And, you know, whether it's weather or these birds are just getting smarter because more people are hunting them, I've eaten bowls and bowls of humble soup hunting the same blind doing the same things I've always done, expecting different results. And it's the definition of insanity. It really is. But it has humbled me 
at, you know, how tough these birds are to hunt and be consistent harvesting specs, especially, but, um, you know, it's just tough that the game's always changing. These birds have a bigger want to live than we do to harvest them. And we've always got to remember that. So, uh, wise man once said, all you got to do is just try to stay one step behind mother nature. And that's the best you can do. You know, and when the weather's not right or you're, you're blind, you've laces in the wrong spot, or you don't exactly have the amount of decoys you need, or you put too many out, you, you can't blame mother nature for beating you. That's what she's there for. And, and she's there to, she's there to put her foot in the door and keep you from slamming it. So if it were easy, everybody do it. But man, I've been humbled the last couple of years, Chris, I really have. These birds are, are tough. They're, they're tough to harvest, but um, I tell everybody, uh, you know, it's, it's why we do it though. If it was easy, I don't know if I'd do it anymore. It'd be fun the first few times if it was just a layup and I could do it with one decoy and no call. But, um, the chase is what, what keeps me going and that's what makes it fun. So they're definitely testing my patience, but, ah, you know, I'm just ready for, I'm ready for one of those years where it's how it used to be. You know, I'm turning into an old timer, you know, it's, (laughs) oh, it's not like it once was type of thing, but no, it's, it's always good. And we, we have our days, but it has been tough. It really has. Yeah, it, it certainly has. And I, and I just want to add in, I just don't think you're old enough to be considering yourself an old timer quite yet. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd kind of pump the brakes on that one just a little <laughs> bit, you know, <laughs> I hope, I hope not. You know, I hope I've got, I'm what, what, how old am I? 29. So I, I know I'm not old by any means, but the more I think about it and you know, the older I get, it's like, I'm kind of understanding what my uncles used to tell me. It's, oh, you don't know what it was like back in the 80s or it's not how it used to be. You know, and it's and it's not because that's because birds are, you know, they're not the same birds from 1980s. They're 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 learning. Uh, we're forcing them to do things. It's no one's fault. It's just, you know, it's weather patterns, in my opinion, and it's a lot of hunting pressure. So um, I hope everybody can go out and have successful hunts. But when more people are chasing these birds and uh, we don't have big pushes of new birds coming in, Heck, you can't blame them for winning more than often. You know, it's, it's, they're, they're gonna win if you let them. And, and, you know, when you don't have anything that they have to have, they're gonna, they're gonna humble you and they're doing a good job this year, but they can win this year. There'll be a year coming where we can, uh, we can rack the lever back. I, I presume that's in the forecast for at least the next decade. And I'm looking forward to it. One thing that we've talked about on this show, but I haven't really talked about with you, you know, the more and more popular that the, your guys' the Momarsh blinds become, and I should say the Invisalays, the Invisichairs, things like that. Um, I see a lot of guys switching to those, even in Arkansas, um, switching to different variations of layouts and, and even on rice fields where there's a pit. Um, because it is getting more and more difficult, you know, guys are switching to these layouts to, to try and do something different and really catch these birds off guard. What are some of the things that, that you kind of recommend with, um, let's say, even like the Invisalays, which I'm very familiar with, um, as far as like brushing these things out and making sure that these things are as concealed as possible? Um, because that will give you a, a little bit of an advantage over the birds. Once you start moving around and start going to where they want to be, um, you really flip the script on them. That is the whole uh, mindset of Momarsh is you can hunt where the birds want to be. And, and I can tell you just a short story, Chris. You know, I've, my first time using a, a Momarsh Invisalay, I was hunting a zero grade rice field in Arkansas, hunting a pit. And just as well as you and I know it, everybody else can probably relate to this is birds get levy shy. You know, they get shy of decoys, they get shy of levees. And I was hunting this, you know, 80 acre, zero grade flooded rice field that was 12 inches of water. And all the birds land out in the middle. You know, they'll land 100 yards from the backside of your decoy spread. And that's just part of it. You can't blame them. But I got an Invisalay 
And I brushed it in very sparingly and went sit right in the middle of the field by myself where those birds had wanted to be. And they were landing by me. I left the decoys out. I left the pit open. You know, it didn't matter. I got 200 yards away from my pit, set up with a handful of decoys, and they could not get enough of it. And it's just because I was able to get where the birds want to be. And a lot of times that's more important than, than how brushed in you are. You know, as if you could just get where they want to be and, you know, be comfortable and be in a position where you're, you know, you're able to hunt. Um, that is the biggest thing, in my opinion, that we can do as waterfowl hunters is a whole lot of things get really easy, whether it's decoy spread or calling. If you're just where the birds want to be, things get a whole lot easier and it's a whole lot, <laughs> you're a whole lot more successful if you just start out by saying, how can I get underneath the birds? And if you check that box, then it's okay. Now, what can I do to really get hidden? And you take an Invisalay and, and you, you know, whether it's, it's using like the Invisagrass that we sell and just, you know, brush it in and then put some natural vegetation in there, or you just take that Invisalay out there and, and just put a few handfuls and every other stubble strap of natural vegetation. Um, you can get away with a whole bunch, uh, that you otherwise wouldn't, um, just where getting where the birds want to be and then brushing in and being hidden. I mean, it sounds so simple, but that's the number one rule and the number one key to success, in my opinion. And that's what we focus on here at Momarsh is just getting where they are and where they want to be. And if you start there, everything else comes, comes in play, you know, where you can use decoys to, to finish birds better. You can use calls to, you know, to run traffic on birds if they're not necessarily wanting to, to center up or whatever that may be. Getting where the birds want to be is king, period. I'll rest my head on that. And, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, you know, the wise man that knows everything, but I've found in my, my little amount of experiences, if I can just get where the birds want to be and get hidden, everything else becomes a whole lot easier. One thing that really stuck out to me in the last few years is I went out to Nebraska with our photo editor to shoot photos in the rainwater basin in spring. And we approached it, you know, we wanted decoys in the shots. So we did, you know, we went exactly where these birds wanted to be with their decoys. We had the uh, original visit chairs. And when you've got a camera rather than a gun, you're really approaching it like you want to get as close as possible. Now, granted, we had, you know, 300 millimeter fix and a 600 with us. So we could, we could stretch it out, but you still want to get as close as you can possibly get to these birds decoying. We just went right in there and really brushed in these blinds and just sat there, you know, and, and really kind of disappeared into these shallow water marshes. And we got done and, and our photo editor, John Hoffman and I, we, you know, we got done shooting photos one day and we we're kind of looking at each other like, why don't we do that when we're hunting? You know, it's like we think about it. We, we, we take that original approach, but then for some reason, you know, we're either in a pit or in a blind that, you know, someone has, has built or something like that. And it's like, man, what are, you know, we basically went at it with no gun and realized that we were getting, you know, eight, 10 yards away from these birds decoying into these decoys. And we're like, why don't we take that approach? And it is very simple. Like you said, you know, going back to square one where it's really just, hey, let's just go where those things want to be. And then we'll figure out a plan from there. I've had a similar experience. It's what, what's really opened my eyes as a hunter is, you know, we're trying to film a TV show and you, you could about imagine how, how hard it is to hide three cameramen and four hunters on any hunt, no matter how good the place is you're hunting. Um, but if you can pull that off and get where the birds want to be and get hidden, you can almost do no wrong. Uh, and by do no wrong, I mean, you can hide three camera guys and four shooters and try to film a TV show. Uh, and that's tough to do, um, no matter where you are, but it's really opened my eyes to whenever I'm hunting, you know, on the weekends for fun or whatever it may be, it's, yeah, why would I go sit in that pit that, you know, we've been, 
calling and shooting at these birds out of the same hole in the ground for 45 days. Why don't we just grab a couple, you know, Invisalays and just go out there and be somewhere. That's where they want to be anyway. Yeah, you know, you never really think about that. But when you start looking at the the videography and, and photography side of things, and that's what you have to do um, to get that intimate shot or the, have that intimate experience with that bird in its natural environment, doing what you want to capture. As hunters, you know, you, you sit back and you watch this and you just think to yourself, well, that was a whole lot easier than, you know, building a house above ground and then spending three weekends brushing it in. And then, you know, having to have 10 guys blowing a duck call and put out 50 dozen decoys, all that's great and it's fun. But uh, you can you can get away with a whole lot if you just have, you know, a couple a couple of the right blinds and a handful of the right decoys and uh, slip in right where the birds want to be. Things just come together a whole lot sooner when you when you think about it and that mentality of uh, it's like swinging a, you know, the uh, with the donut on a baseball bat, you know, whenever you're on deck for your baseball game, it's real heavy. And then you take it off and swing it. It's the same thing. If you can, if you can hide a cameraman, and it works out well, it really makes you think. Why don't Why don't we just do this whenever we duck hunt? So I can completely <laughs> relate to that. And it's opened my eyes up. The scouting aspect of waterfowl hunting and the concealment side of it is something that I didn't really um, focus on, especially growing up in South Louisiana. You know, we've got you know a pit line every three hundred yards. It seems, and, and you're you're fighting people constantly. And then you look at the one field where no, there's not a blind and you ask yourself, why don't I just go hunt there? You know, it, it, you don't think about it, but that's really what the birds want to do. So if you just play the birds game and not try to force them into anything, it's a, it's an aspect of hunting that people should, should highly consider is just getting where the birds want to be. It, it makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. You kind of mentioned that, you know, you, you learn from that experience of trying to hide, hide the cameraman and um, doing different things as far as your involvement with the TV show. What other things, and this is kind of a cool perspective um, that you can probably provide because you're going back and you're looking through this footage and you're editing these and, you know, seeing um, different things on camera from, you're almost looking at yourself in the third person the way you are. For better or worse. Yeah, for better <laughs> or worse. What are some of the other things that you, you may learn from from watching the TV show, just looking at it like, oh man, like those decoys just don't look right. Or, you know, that blind right there is just out of place. Or, you know, what, what other things are you picking up from the TV show? Every, every aspect of it, you know, whether it's uh, blind location or decoy placement or calling. I mean, we get to watch, you know, it, it takes hundreds of hours of footage to make a 22 minute episode. So when we're going back, you know, looking at all this and then you finally see the episode and you kind of see what's not working more importantly versus what work, what's working. You can learn from that, implement it in the next hunt. Um, number one, I would have to say is the importance of the sun, especially when you're trying to hide, whether that's just yourself and your dog or 10 guys and you know, 10 cameramen, whatever, you can put the sun in your back and the wind in your back. That's a big deal. You know, you can get away with a lot when that sun's in your back and the wind's in your back and birds are finishing and they're blinded by the light. You can, you can almost do no wrong. So that's one thing that I think every hunter knows, but I would rather put myself in that position and be just off the mark, uh, knowing that I can be hidden well, no, no matter what the circumstances, I would rather put myself in that position and hunt the B spot versus hunt the A spot where the sun's in my face every single time. It's just that it's that crucial. And the sun uh, on, on another side of things is whether you're hunting in the woods or a rice field with a tall levee or whatever that may be. Um, when the sun comes up, if it comes up and it's not cloudy, not setting up your decoys and shadows, the, the sooner your decoys can get hit by the sunlight, 
the sooner birds are going to start reacting to decoys because they're not hidden in the shadows. So those are two big things that, that I've really learned watching all this footage is how simple would it have been to just hunt on the other side of the hole where the sun's in our back and we wouldn't have got busted by every other group or why don't we just push our decoys out another 10 yards so the sun could have hit them earlier in the morning and the birds would have actually finished when we called at them. And then the other side of things is, you know, calling is a big one. You know, I, I like to blow a call and I like to see birds react. It's probably my favorite aspect of hunting is, is getting a reaction out of birds. But when you watch birds work, especially on camera, and, and you can really see their reaction, you can see it in their eyes with the cameras they've got these days. You can see how their head moves. You can see their body language. Knowing when to call and, and, and how to call it birds and reading their body language, you are exposed and your, your downfalls and your Achilles heels as a caller, especially if you're like me and you're eager to call it birds, especially ducks, uh, you can really see where you're messing up. So it's taught me a lot of hey, I need to keep a lot of this in my pocket and uh, just give the birds just enough because when they swing wide and I've got to give something to them to turn them back around, if I've already shown them my cards, they're done. Or I should have caught at those birds when they were here, not here. Um, those are those are three of the biggest things that I've picked up on just from my perspective on watching, you know, hours of footage. And and it it's taught me a lot. You know, you kind of start putting yourself in third person when you're setting up for a hunt, you know, on the drone footage. What's this going to look like? Is there something that I'm missing? You just kind of go through that list. And Kelly Powers is is great at this. He's a super meticulous hunter, and, and he's helped me kind of understand the importance of these things, not only for how they look on the TV show, but how they relate to your success in the field. And, and those three factors, playing the sun with, with your concealment, playing the sun with visibility of your decoys, and then thinking to yourself if and, and how you should change your calling after you've called a, you know, a few groups of ducks. I'm not doing the same thing over and over again on a call and, and working them a different way and thinking about what's working and what's not and, and adapt how you're calling on each day at, at birds. Uh, those are the three biggest factors that, you know, being involved with the TV show has, has expressed to me. Yeah, that's great. And where can our audience find the Higdon Outdoors TV show? Um, as long as they've got the Internet or television, they can find it pretty easy. Uh, you can go to HigdonOutdoors.com, click on the television tab. There's YouTube links right there. You can find us on Instagram TV at Higdon Outdoors on Instagram, our Facebook page. We post them um, every other week, new episodes. Um, and then you can watch it on Pursuit Channel. So set your DVR and watch Higdon Outdoors TV on Pursuit Channel. You know, we're pushing up against 2021 right now. And I know everyone's welcoming the uh, the changeover in the calendar. But I, I just wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to uh, maybe, you know, provide a few hints. You don't have to be specific. I know you guys kind of hold that card close to the vest. But um, about any new products that you guys have coming for 2021 um, that you know, duck and goose hunters may be a little bit excited about and maybe something you could just hint at a little bit. Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. And, and honestly, if I could tell you everything, I would, uh, I don't know if we'd have enough time. We've been working hard the last couple of years to bring some really innovative new products to the market. And, uh, there's, there's dozens of new products, um, from new goose decoys, new static decoys, new motion decoys, um, new concealment opportunities for the Momarsh line, new calls under power calls. Um, I'll, I'll give you what I can tell you is uh, for all of our duck hunters out there that like to dabble in the turkey world, stay tuned because we're going to be releasing some really innovative and really good looking turkey decoys here soon under the Higdon Outdoors name. Uh, we're super excited about that. It's been a project we've been working on here for uh, the better part of half a decade and uh, it's, it's finally happening. So turkey hunters, pay attention. Uh, this spring, we've got some cool stuff coming. You're going to love it. Uh, and all of our waterfowl hunters, um, 
I can't get too far in depth about what exactly we're coming out with, but there's going to be plenty for you guys to dig your teeth into and girls. There's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting stuff coming out. So I can't wait to tell you more about it, but that's about all I can say right now. Very cool. That's awesome. Hey, Brooke, man, I appreciate you joining me today, taking the time, um, spreading the, the good word on Higdon's Outdoors. Um, but no, man, I do. I appreciate you joining me. It's always a pleasure, Chris. And thank you and Ducks Unlimited for all you guys do for the Ducks. And uh, we're just proud to be a part of the team. And I can't thank you enough for, for having me on. I'd like to thank my guest, Brooke Richard from Higdon Outdoors for joining me today and talking about all things Higdon and even uh, provide some insight on some of the things that he learns while he's uh, you know doing the Higdon Outdoors TV show. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for putting this podcast together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us and supporting Wellens Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks.